Welcome to Mendocino Theatre Company's Reading on the Radio. I'm Pamela Allen, Mendocino Theatre Company's Executive Director. Hi, I'm Lori LaPaul. I directed tonight's broadcast, and we are doing this again on Zoom, hopefully for the last time. <laughs> if if county protocol, uh, safety protocols continue as they are now, we hope to be recording live the next time we do our radio show. Yes, indeed. So, Lori, here we are on the final evening of Women's History Month, presenting a play by one of our favorite women playwrights, the Pulitzer Prize winning Susan Glaspell. Tonight's comedy, which she wrote with her husband, George Cram Cook, in 1915, was one of her earliest plays. You know, I really enjoyed directing Suppressed Desires, our, our play tonight. It's witty. It's funny. It's an original take on what people do with the latest trends. You know, we hear what happens in this play when a wife tries to convince her husband and her sister what their supposed Freudian tendencies reveal. But... The tables get turned when the husband takes matters into his own hands. And now, without further ado, Suppressed Desires by Susan Glaspell, narrated by Ken Krauss, with Pamela W. Allen as Henrietta, Mark Friedrich as Stephen, and Laura Pinu as Mabel. Imagine a studio apartment in New York, Washington Square. The studio is used as both living and dining room. Through an immense picture window, one can see treetops and the upper part of the Washington Arch. Beyond it, you look up Fifth Avenue. In the studio are rugs, bookcases, a divan. Near the window is a big table, loaded at one end with serious-looking books and austere scientific periodicals. At the other end are architect's drawings, blueprints, compasses, square, and ruler. There is a breakfast table set for three, but only two are seated at it, namely Henrietta and Steve Brewster. Steve pushes back his coffee cup and sits looking dejected. It isn't the coffee, Steve, dear. There's nothing the matter with the coffee. There's something the matter with you. There may be something the matter with my stomach. Your stomach... The trouble is not with your stomach, but in your subconscious mind. Subconscious pimple. Steve, you never used to be so disagreeable. You certainly have got some sort of complex. You're all inhibited. You're no longer open to new ideas. You won't listen to a word about psychoanalysis. A word? I've listened to volume. You've ceased to be creative in architecture. Your work isn't going well. You're not sleeping well. How can I sleep, Henrietta, when you're always waking me up in the night to find out what I'm dreaming? But dreams are so important, Steve. If you tell yours to Dr. Russell, he'll find out exactly what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. You don't even talk as well as you used to. Talk? I can't say a thing without you looking at me in that dark fashion you have when you're on the trail of a complex. This very irritability indicates that you're suffering from some suppressed desire. I'm suffering from a suppressed desire for a little peace. Dr. Russell is doing simply wonderful things with nervous cases. Won't you go to him, Steve? No, Henrietta, I won't. But Stephen! Shh! I hear Mabel coming. Let's not be at each other's throats the first day of our visit. Mabel, Henrietta's sister, enters. 
She takes a seat opposite Steve. She's wearing a rather fussy negligee in contrast to Henrietta, who wears radical clothes. Good morning. Oh, here you are, little sister. Good morning, Mabel. It's so good to have you here. I, I, I was going to let you sleep, thinking you'd be tired after the long trip. Sit down. There'll be fresh toast in a minute, and will you have... Oh, I ought to have told you, Henrietta. Don't get anything for me. I'm not eating any breakfast. Not eating breakfast? The psychoanalytical look. Mabel, why are you not eating breakfast? Why, no particular reason. I just don't care much for breakfast, and they, they say it keeps down... That is, it's a good thing to go without. Don't you sleep well? Did you sleep well last night? Oh, yes, I sleep all right. Yes, I slept fine last night, only <laughs> I did have the funniest dream. Uh-oh. And what did you dream, Mabel? Uh, look here, Mabel. I feel it's my duty to put you on. Don't tell Henrietta your dreams. If you do, she'll find out that you have an underground desire to kill your father and marry your mother. Don't be absurd, Stephen Brewster. What was your dream, dear? <laughs> well, I dreamed I was a hen. A hen? Yes, and I was pushing along through a crowd as fast as I could. But being a hen, I couldn't walk very fast. It was like having a tight skirt, you know. And there was some sort of a creature in a blue cap. You know how mixed up dreams are. And it kept shouting after me and saying, step hen, step hen, until I got all excited and just couldn't move at all. You say you became much excited. <laughs> oh, yes. I was in a terrible state. This is significant. She dreamed she's a hen. She's told a step lively. She becomes violently agitated. What can it mean? Mabel, do you know anything about psychoanalysis? Oh, uh, not much. No, I... It's something about the war, isn't it? Not that kind of war. Uh, I thought it might be the name of a new explosive. It is. You see, Henrietta, we do not live in touch with intellectual things as you do. Bob, being a dentist, somehow our friends... Oh, to be a dentist. Don't you ever see anything more of that editorial writer? What was his name? Lyman Eggleston? Yes, Eggleston. He was in touch with things. Don't you see him? Yes, I, I see him once in a while. Bob doesn't like him very well. Your husband does not like Lyman Eggleston? Mabel, are you perfectly happy with your husband? Oh, now, Henrietta, that's going a little strong. Are you perfectly happy with him, Mabel? Why, yes, I, I guess so. Why, of course I am. Are you happy? Or do you only think you are? Or do you only think you ought to be? Why, Henrietta, I don't know what you mean. This is what she means, Mabel. Psychoanalysis. My work table groans with it. Books by Freud, the new Messiah. Books by Jung, the new St. Paul. The Psychoanalytical Review, back numbers 250 per. But what's it all about? All about your sub um, non-conscious mind and desires you know not of. They may be doing you a great deal of harm. You may go crazy with them. Oh, yes. People are doing it right and left. You're dreaming you're a hen. Any fool can ridicule anything. Well, what do you say it is, Henrietta? Oh, if Henrietta's going to start that... Steve goes to his work table and settles himself at it. He starts to work, drawing lines on the drawing board. It's like this, Mabel. You want something. You think you can't have it. You think it's wrong. So you try to think you don't want it. 
Your mind protects you, avoids pain by refusing to think the forbidden thing. But it's there just the same. It stays there, shut up in your unconscious mind, and it festers. Sort of a ingrowing mental toenail. Precisely. The forbidden impulse is there, full of energy, which has simply got to do something. It, it breaks into your consciousness in disguise, masks itself in dreams, makes all sorts of trouble. In extreme cases, it drives you insane. Oh, no! But psychoanalysis has found out how to save us from that. It, it brings into consciousness the suppressed desire that was making all the trouble, Psychoanalysis is simply the latest scientific method of preventing and curing insanity. It is also the latest scientific method of separating families. Families that ought to be separated. And the Dwights, for instance. You must have met them, Mabel, when you were here before. Helen was living, apparently, in peace and happiness with good old Joe. Well, she went to this psychoanalyzer. She was psyched and biff bang, home she comes with an unsuppressed desire to leave her husband. Oh, terrible. Yes, I remember Helen Dwight, but but did she have such a desire? First she'd known of it. And she left him? Yes, she did. Wasn't he good to her? Why, yes, good enough. Wasn't he kind to her? Oh, yes, kind to her. And she left her good, kind husband? Oh, Mabel <laughs> left her good, kind husband. How naive. Forgive me, dear, but how bourgeois you are. She came to know herself, and she had the courage. I may be very naive and bourgeois, but I don't see the good of a new science that breaks up homes. Well said. In enlightening, Mabel, we mustn't neglect to mention the case of Art Holden's private secretary, Mary Snow, who has just been informed of her suppressed desire for her employer. Oh, why, I think it's terrible, Henrietta. It would be better if we didn't know such things about ourselves. No, Mabel, that is the old way. But but her employer? Is he married? Huh. Wife and four children. Well, then what good does it do the girl to be told she has a desire for him? There's nothing that can be done about it. Old institutions will have to be reshaped so that something can be done in such cases. It happens, Mabel, that this suppressed desire was on the point of landing Mary Snow in the insane asylum. Are you so tight-minded that you'd rather have her in the insane asylum than break the conventions? But have people always had these awful suppressed desires? Always. But they've just been discovered. The harm they do has just been discovered. And free, sane people must face the fact that they have to be dealt with. I don't believe they have them in Chicago. People have them wherever the living libido, the center of the soul's energy, is in conflict with petrified moral codes. That means everywhere in civilization. Psychoanalysis... Good God, I've got the roof in the cellar. The roof in the cellar? That's what psychoanalysis does. That's what psychoanalysis could undo. Is it any wonder I'm concerned about Steve? He dreamed the other night that the walls of his room melted away and he found himself alone in a forest. Don't you see how significant it is for an architect to have walls dip away from him? It, it symbolizes his loss of grip in his work. There's some suppressed desire. Suppressed hell. You speak more truly than you know. It is through suppressions that hells are formed in us. Mabel looks at Steve, who by this time is tearing his hair. 
Don't you think it would be a good thing, Henrietta, if we went somewhere else? Mabel and Henrietta rise and begin to pick up the breakfast dishes. Mabel drops a plate, which breaks. Henrietta draws up short and looks. The psychoanalytical look. Oh, I'm sorry, Henrietta. One of the spode plates, too. Oh, don't take it so to heart, Henrietta. I can't help taking it to heart. I'll get you another. I said I'll get you another plate, Henrietta. It's not the plate. For heaven's sake, what is it then? It's the significant little false movement that made you drop it. Well, I suppose everyone makes a false movement once in a while. Yes, Mabel. But these false movements all mean something. I don't think that's very nice. It was just because I, I happened to think of that Mabel Snow you were talking about. Mabel Snow? Snow, Snow. Well, what was her name then? Her name is Mary. You substituted your own name for hers. Well, Mary Snow then. Mary Snow. I never heard her name but once. I don't see anything to make such a fuss about. Mabel, dear, mistakes like that in names? They don't mean something too, do they? I'm sorry, dear, but they do. But I'm always doing that. My poor little sister. Tell me all about it. About what? About your not being happy. About your longing for another sort of life. But I don't. Ah, I understand these things, dear. You feel Bob is limiting you to a life which you do not feel free. Henrietta, when did I ever say such a thing? You said you're not in touch with things intellectual. You showed your feeling that it is Bob's profession that has engendered a resentment which has colored your whole life with him. Why, Henrietta! Don't be afraid of me, little sister. There's nothing can shock me or turn me from you. I am not like that. I, I wanted you to come for this visit because I had a feeling that you needed more from life than you were getting. No one of these things I have seen would excite my suspicion. It's the combination. You don't eat breakfast. You make false moves. You substitute your own name for the name of another whose love is misdirected. You're nervous. You look queer. In your eyes, there's a frightened look that is most unlike you. And this dream, a hen. Come with me this afternoon to Dr. Russell. Your whole life may be at stake, Mabel. <gasps> Henrietta, I, you, you always were the smartest in the family and all that, but this is terrible. I don't think we ought to think such things. And why, I'll tell you why I dreamed I was a hen. It was because last night, Telling about that time in Chicago, you said I was as mad as a wet hen. Did you dream you were a wet hen? Uh, no. No, you dreamed you were a dry hen. And why, being a hen, were you urged to step? Maybe it's because when I'm getting on a streetcar, it always irritates me to have them call step lively. No, Mabel, that is only a child's view of it if you will forgive me. You see merely the elements used in the dream. You do not see into the dream. You do not see its meaning. Th this dream of the hen. Hen, hen, wet hen, dry hen, mad hen. Let me out of this. Just a minute, dear, and we'll have things so you can work in quiet. Mabel and I are going to sit in my room. Henrietta exits with her hands full of dishes. <sighs> I'm going to be psychoanalyzed. I'm going now. 
I'm going straight to that infallible doctor of hers, that priest of this new religion. If he's got honesty enough to tell Henrietta there's nothing the matter with my unconscious mind, perhaps I can be let alone about it, and then I will be all right. Don't uh, tell Henrietta I'm going. It might take weeks, and I couldn't stand all the talk. Where's Steve? Gone? You see how impatient he is? How unlike himself? I tell you, Mabel, I am nearly distracted about Steve. I think he's a little distracted, too. Well, if he's gone, you might as well stay here. I have a committee meeting at the bookshop, and we'll have to leave you to yourself for an hour or two. As Henrietta puts her hat on, her eyes, lighting up almost carnivorously, fall on an enormous volume on the floor beside the work table. She picks it up and carries it around the table toward Mabel. Here, dear is one of the simplest statements of psychoanalysis. You just read this, and then we can talk more intelligently. Mabel takes the volume, staggering under its weight, and goes to sit. Henrietta, near the door, stops abruptly and asks, How old is Lyman Eggleston? He isn't 40 yet. Why, what made you ask that, Henrietta? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Au revoir. Henrietta leaves, and Mabel stares at the ceiling, the heavy book falling to the floor. She starts, looks at the book, then at the broken plate on the table. The plate! The book! Mabel leans forward, elbow on knee, chin on knuckles, and plaintively queries, Am I unhappy? It is now a few days later. The dusk of a winter afternoon deepens. Henrietta is seated at her end of the table, surrounded by open books and periodicals. She is writing. Steve enters briskly. What are you doing, my dear? My paper for the Liberal Club. Your paper on? On a subject which does not have your sympathy. Oh, I'm not so sure I'm wholly out of sympathy with psychoanalysis, Henrietta. You worked it so hard. I couldn't even take a bath without it meaning something. I talked it because I knew you needed it. You haven't said much about it these last two weeks. Uh, your faith in it hasn't weakened any? Weakened? It's grown stronger with each new thing I've come to know. And Mabel, she is with Dr. Russell now. Dr. Russell is wonderful. From what Mabel tells me, I believe his analysis is going to prove that I was right. Today, I discovered a remarkable confirmation of my theory in the hen dream. What is your theory? Well, you know about Lyman Eggleston. I've wondered about him. I've never seen him, but I know he's less bourgeois than Mabel's other friends, more intellectual, and she doesn't see much of him because Bob doesn't like him. But what's the confirmation? Today, I noticed the first syllable of his name. Why? No, egg. Mabel dreamed she was a hen. <laughs> you wouldn't laugh if you knew how important names are in interpreting dreams. Freud is full of just such cases in which a whole hidden complex is revealed by a single significant syllable, like this egg. But doesn't the traditional relation of hen and egg suggest rather a maternal feeling? Well, there is something maternal in Mabel's love, of course. But that's only one element. Well, uh, suppose Mabel hasn't a suppressed desire to be this gentleman's mother, but his beloved. What's to be done about it? What about Bob? 
Uh, don't you think it's going to be a little rough on him? That can't be helped. Bob, like everyone else, must face the facts of life. If Dr. Russell should arrive independently at this same interpretation, I shall not hesitate to advise Mabel to leave her present husband. Mm-hmm. The lights go up on Fifth Avenue. Steve goes to the window and looks out. How long is it we've lived here, Henrietta? Why, this is the third year, Steve. I, uh, we. Uh, one would miss this view if one went away, wouldn't one? How strangely you speak. Oh, Stephen, I wish you'd go to Dr. Russell. Don't think my fears have abated because I've been able to restrain myself. I had to on account of Mabel. But now, dear, won't you go? I, uh... Steve breaks off suddenly, turns on a light against the coming darkness, and sits beside Henrietta. How long have we been married, Henrietta? Stephen, I, I don't understand you. You must go to Dr. Russell. I have gone. You? What? Yes, Henrietta, I've been psyched. You went to Dr. Russell? The same. And what did he say? He said, uh, I, um... I was a little surprised by what he said, Henrietta. Of course. One can so seldom anticipate. But tell me your dream, Stephen. It, it means... It means uh, <laughs> I was considerably surprised by what it means. Don't be so exasperating. It means uh, <sighs> you really want to know, Henrietta. Stephen, you'll drive me mad. He said, uh, well... Of course, he may be wrong in what he said. He isn't wrong. Tell me. He said the dream of the walls receding and leaving me alone in a forest indicates a suppressed desire. Yes, yes. To be freed from... Yes, freed from... Marriage. Marriage? Uh, he may be mistaken, you know. May be mistaken. I, well, <laughs> of course, I hadn't taken any stock in it myself. I... It was only your great confidence. Stephen, are you telling me that Dr. Russell, Dr. A.E. Russell, told you this? Told you? You have a suppressed desire to separate from me? That's what he said. Did he know who you were? Yes. That you were married to me? Yes, he knew that. And he told you to leave me? It seems he must be wrong, Henrietta. And I've sent him more patience. What reason did he give for this analysis? He says the confining walls are a symbol of my feeling about marriage and that their fading away is a wish fulfillment. Well, is it? Do you want our marriage to end? <laughs> it was a great surprise to me that I did, Henrietta. You see, I had known what was in my unconscious mind. What did you tell Dr. Russell about me to make him think you weren't happy? I never told him a thing, Henrietta. He got it all from his confounded clever inferences. I, I tried to refute them, but he said that was only part of my self-protective line. And that's why you were so happy when you came in just now? Why, Henrietta, how can you say such a thing? I was sad. Didn't I speak sadly of, of the view? Didn't I ask how long we had been married? Stephen Brewster, have you no sense of the seriousness of this? Dr. Russell doesn't know what our marriage has been. You do. You should have laughed him down. 
confined in life with me? Did you tell him that I believe in freedom? I very emphatically told him that his results were a great surprise to me. But you accepted them. Oh, not at all. I merely couldn't refute his arguments. I'm uh, not a psychologist. I came home to talk it over with you, you being a disciple of psychoanalysis. If you are going, I wish you would go tonight. Oh, my dear, I, I surely couldn't do that. Uh, well, think of my feelings and and my laundry hasn't come home. I ask you to go tonight. Some woman would falter at this, Steve, but I am not such a woman. I leave you free. I do not repudiate psychoanalysis. I say again that it has done great things. It has also made mistakes, of course. But since you accept this analysis, I have to finish this paper. I wish you would leave me here. I'm sorry, Henrietta, about my unconscious mind. Steve leaves, and Henrietta's face betrays her outraged state of mind. She is disconcerted, resentful, and trying to pull herself together when suddenly Mabel enters in great excitement. Well, Henrietta, I'm so glad you're here. And alone? Are you alone, Henrietta? Very much so. Henrietta, he's found it. Who has found what? Who has found what? Dr. Russell has found my suppressed desire. That is interesting. He finished with me today. He got hold of my complex in the most amazing way. But, oh, Henrietta, it's so terrible. Do you calm yourself, Mabel. Surely there's no occasion for all this agitation. But there is. And when you think of the lives that are affected, the readjustments that must be made in order to bring the suppressed hell out of me and save me from the insane asylum. The insane asylum? You said that's where these complexes brought people. What did the doctor tell you, Mabel? Oh, I don't know how I can tell you. It's so awful, so unbelievable. I rather have my hand in at hearing the unbelievable. Henrietta. Who would ever have thought it? How can it be true? But the doctor is perfectly certain that I have a suppressed desire for... Oh, go on, Mabel. I'm not unprepared for what you have to say. Not unprepared? You mean you suspected it? From the first. It's been my theory all along. But Henrietta, I didn't know myself that I had this secret desire for Stephen. Stephen? My brother-in-law... My own sister's husband. You have a suppressed desire for Stephen. Oh, Henrietta, aren't these unconscious selves terrible? They seem so unlike us. What insane thing are you driving at? Henrietta, don't you use that word to me. I don't want to go to the insane asylum. What did Dr. Russell say? Well, you see, oh, it's the strangest thing. But you know the voice in my dream that called Step Hen? Dr. Russell found out today that when I was a little girl, I had a storybook in words of one syllable, and I read the name Stephen wrong. I used to read it, S-T-E-P, step, H-E-N, hen. Step hen is Stephen. Steve enters, his head bent over a timetable. Stephen is step hen. I step hen? S-T-E-P, step, H-E-N, hen. Stephen. Well, what if Stephen is step hen? Step hen, step hen, for that ridiculous coincidence. Coincidence? 
but it's childish to look at the mere elements of a dream. You have to look into it. You have to see what it means. On account of that trivial, meaningless play on syllables, on that flimsy basis, you are ready. Oh! What on earth's the matter? What has happened? Suppose I am stepped in. What about it? What does it mean? It means that I have a suppressed desire for you. For me? The deuce you have. Uh, what uh, makes you think so? Dr. Russell has worked it out scientifically. Yes, through the amazing discovery that step hen equals Stephen. Oh, that isn't all. That isn't near all. Henrietta won't give me a chance to tell it. She'd rather I go to the insane asylum than be unconventional. We'll all go there if you can't control yourself. We are still waiting for some rational report. Oh, there's such a lot about names. I don't see how I ever did it. It all works in together. I dreamed I was a hen because that's the first syllable of Henrietta's name. And when I dreamed I was a hen, I was putting myself in Henrietta's place. With Stephen? With Stephen. Oh, to... What are you doing with that timetable? Why, I, I thought you were so keen to have me go tonight. I thought I'd just take a run up to Canada and join Billy uh, a little shooting, but... Uh... But there's more about the names. Mabel, have you thought about Bob? Dear old Bob, your good, kind husband? Oh, Henrietta, my good, kind husband. Think of him, Mabel, out there alone in Chicago, working his head off, fixing people's teeth for you. Yes, but think of the living libido in conflict with petrified moral codes. And think of the perfectly wonderful way the names all prove it. Dr. Russell said he's never seen anything more convincing. Just look at Stephen's last name, Brewster. I dream I'm a hen, and the name Brewster, you have to say its first letter by itself, and then the hen, that's me, she says to him, Stephen B. Rooster. <laughs> oh, I think it's perfectly wonderful. Why, if it wasn't for psychoanalysis, you'd never find out how wonderful your own mind is. B. Rooster, Stephen. <laughs> B. Rooster. You think it's funny, do you? Well, what's to be done about it? Does Mabel have to go away with me? Do you want Mabel to go away with you? Well, but... Mabel herself, her complex, her suppressed desire. Mabel, are you going to insist on going away with Stephen? Well, I'd rather go away with Stephen than go to the insane asylum. For heaven's sake, Mabel, drop that insane asylum. If you did have a suppressed desire for Stephen hidden away in you, God knows it isn't hidden now. Dr. Russell has brought it into your consciousness with a vengeance. That's all that's necessary to break up a complex. Psychoanalysis doesn't say you have to gratify every suppressed desire. Unless it's for Lyman Eggleston. Well, if it comes to that, Stephen Brewster, I'd like to know why that interpretation of mine isn't just as good as this one. Step hen. But, uh, be rooster? <laughs> Step in, be rooster, and... Henrietta, <laughs> my dear, Doc Russell's got you beat a mile, <laughs> Be rooster. <laughs> what has Lyman Eggleston got to do with it? <laughs> According to Henrietta, you, the hen, have a suppressed desire for Eggleston, the egg. Henrietta, I think that's indecent of you. He is as bald as an egg and little and fat. The idea of you thinking such a thing of me. Well, Bob isn't little and bald and fat. 
why don't you stick to your own husband? What if Dr. Russell's interpretation has got mine beat a mile? It would only mean that Mabel doesn't want Eggleston and does want you. Does that mean she has to have you? But you said Mabel Snow. Mary Snow. You're not as much like her as you think, substituting your name for hers. The cases are entirely different. Oh, I wouldn't have believed this of you, Mabel. I brought you here for a pleasant visit, thought you needed brightening up, wanted to be nice to you, and now you... My husband... You insist! Henrietta <laughs> begins to cry, making a sudden movement which makes her papers fall to the floor. Careful, dear, your paper on psychoanalysis. I don't want my paper on psychoanalysis. I'm sick of psychoanalysis. Do you mean that, Henrietta? Why shouldn't I mean it? Look at all I've done for psychoanalysis. And what has psychoanalysis done for me? Do you mean, Henrietta, that you're going to stop talking psychoanalysis? Why shouldn't I stop talking it? Haven't I seen what it does to people? Mabel has gone crazy about psychoanalysis. At the word crazy, Mabel sinks with a moan into the armchair and buries her face in her hands. Do you swear never to wake me up in the night to find out what I'm dreaming? Dream what you please. I, I don't care what you're dreaming. Will you clear off my work table so the Journal of Morbid Psychology doesn't stare me in the face when I'm trying to plan a house? I'll burn the Journal of Morbid Psychology. My dear Henrietta, if you're going to separate from psychoanalysis, there's no reason why I should separate from you. They embrace ardently. Mabel lifts her head and looks at them woefully. But what about me? What am I to do with my suppressed desire? Steve, with one arm still around Henrietta, gives Mabel a brotherly hug. Mabel, you just keep right on suppressing it. You have been listening to Mendocino Theatre Company's reading of Suppressed Desires by Susan Glassful, directed by Lori LaPaul, with sound production and design by Ken Krause. The play featured Pamela W. Allen as Henrietta, Mark Friedrich as Stephen, Laura Pinu as Mabel, and it was narrated by Ken Krause. Now, before I turn this over to Lori, I just want everyone to know that Mendocino Theatre Company will be reopening with our first full production since March 2020, this April 28th, with a play called Visiting Mr. Green with Bob Cohen and Gus Mayeno, directed by the talented Ricky Dodola. So I hope everyone will come and sit in our refreshed new theater space and sit in our comfortable new beautiful seats. You'll be there, right, Lori? Absolutely, Pamela. I certainly will. I'm I'm so happy and excited that we're opening. Laura, you're fairly new in the area, but we've had the greatest good luck having you on our radio shows. Yay! It's been my pleasure. So lovely to be here. It's really fun to work with you, darling. So Laura, how was it to work on this? Now you've been in comedies and dramas, actually probably from this same playwright, Susan Glasspool. You were in Trifles and uh, Woman's Honor and now Suppressed Desires. What did you think about this play and how was it to be in it? 
Oh, I just loved it. I thought it was a wonderful, lighthearted, yet cautionary tale, kind of about the, the pitfalls of fads and maybe gurus and adhering maybe a little too tightly to an idea, perhaps in spite of clear evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah, clear evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Yes. And yet also just so spirited and well-written and well-played. I mean, it was just fun. Lots of fun yeah. to, to be part of that. Do you like doing radio shows, Laura? Because it seems like you really enjoy doing this kind of production. I do. In fact, I can honestly say that even as a little girl, I had a fantasy of being an old-time radio drama, sort of (laughs) post-war, maybe something that I heard on a television program about it or something when I was... You know, like the 40s and 50s uh, radio shows they used to have? I don't even remember the titles. Exactly. Me neither. And way before my time, definitely more something from my mom's era. And um, I I just thought it was so exciting and romantic and fun. And the idea that you could inhabit a character just using your voice and then wonderful sound effects, Foley effects and stuff. I've just always had a keen curiosity and interest in that. And when I came to the area right at the start of the COVID lockdown and happened to see that you were auditioning for radio, I just thought, heavens, I think I have to try that. (laughs) (laughs) Our great good luck. And mine. (laughs) And you know, Laura, we might be doing that in the future, like we have done in the past, some radio programs that are actually from the 40s, War of the Worlds and A Christmas One. Yeah, super. Oh, I love it. Um, Those are super fun. Yeah, They are. Really, they're just so delightful. I think it really activates people's imagination in a way that's just really different from all the screens that most most of us are used to. (laughs) It's fun. And even my kids who are in their young 20s, they enjoy listening and, you know, curling up on the couch with a blanket and a bowl of popcorn and and live streaming it and listening. (laughs) The kids have really loved it too. And that's, that's been really fun. So thank you for the opportunity. I've really had a good time. Oh, no. Thank you, Laura. No, it's it's been great. And you just brought up this whole cozy picture of listening to the radio. And in a way, you have to put your attention to it. It's not mind numbing. It's not computer stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, exactly. yes. you have to give your attention to it. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Laura. That was lovely. Um, thank you so much. And Ken, who has become our definite production artiste for all these radio shows. You've acted in both uh, radio productions and on stage, of course. Yes. Um, so how, how do you feel, Ken, about we're opening April 28th? Mm-hmm. It's, I, I think a lot of people are ready for a change from what we've been going through. Although, I don't know, we have to keep an eye on the, uh, on, on the news in terms of how yeah. things are going. But at the same time, it's really nice to think about having a full theater or as full as we can have it theater and having faces out there to see as you as you act or I have done a lot of production for different plays and I have always enjoyed the reaction to the sound effects and music that I've heard coming from the audience which you lose a little bit in terms of being on the radio but at the same time it is a different medium but I've really enjoyed getting a sense of how to do that building a story and building a world with sound effects and music is really a lot of fun. There's no body language. There's no scenery. 
and people have to really fill in the blanks in their own imagination. So that's also a lot of fun, and it's a really nice medium to work in. No, that's lovely. And I always am in awe of how you always pick the perfect music. You find things that really support what's happening on the radio, what what the listener is, but you also do it for the uh, for the plays. Mm-hmm. Because all of that plays a part. Everything is connected. It's like this ensemble production. I've always been a, a very, very big fan of many different kinds of music, whether it be going back to boogie woogie and swing, <laughs> coming forward to heavy metal and electronica. I, I like all of it. There just is such a wide range of styles and they can fit the feel of whatever is going on in a play or in a story and enhance it and give it a little bit of uh, driving force to make it go further. So having the chance to do that and put some things on there, one of the things I really like to do is to find a uh, piece of music that maybe people are familiar with from one artist and to find a cover version of that that then they By can hear. By a different artist. Yeah, and it gives a different feel for the for the whole thing. That kind of being able to play a little bit with people's expectations is a lot of fun. Excellent. Yeah, you did a great job with me on that for uh, when, a, when I wanted all women artists mm-hmm. music, and that was great. Thank you so much, Ken. Pamela, it's great to have you in this production as well. And, ha, ah, Pamela. I don't know if this is the last time I'm going to be talking to you on radio because you are, is that okay to say this, my dear, that you are leaving us in June? That That's right. Yeah. I am. I am. I'm huh. sad, but yeah. it's time. We really are hoping to move back East to be closer yeah. to our grandchildren and children. And I'll miss Mendocino Theater Company a lot. But well, I do hope that I'll be able to <laughs> to do some radio work from afar, maybe. You can. I got that hint, baby. Yes, absolutely, Pamela. Um, I, we, we definitely, the theater doesn't want to lose contact with you. You're still part of the theater, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get I, all mushy and emotional, and I don't want to do that on the radio. We can always cut this out. <laughs> Wait, please, please, cut. I'm, I'm going to miss you like crazy. And uh, yeah, you might have to cut out this stuff, Ken. I don't know how it's going to sound. But Pamela, I don't know. I, I kind of like mush. That's fine. You like? <laughs> That's what I said earlier to her. I said, people like mush. Pamela, how do you feel about Because you've, you've been manifesting a lot of the stuff that we need to, to open. You're the well, producer here. So the first show, April 28th, I mean, what's happening for you with this exciting change? that we're actually opening. I just have to say that I stepped out on the stage Monday afternoon and saw a team working on the set installation for the next show. And it just made me so happy. I, (laughs) it was just, it's been a difficult two years. It's been hard. One of the things we've learned is that we've learned flexibility. We've learned how to be flexible. We've learned how to change tack very smoothly. Did it make you sad too to see the set? It makes me sad that I won't be here to produce all of the shows this year. Yeah, We've worked hard over the last couple of years yeah. to come up with seasons that have not materialized. And it looks like this one is really going to... Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited about it. And I'm 
I'm thankful for that. Ah, well, thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you, Lori. And thank you, everyone. We hope to see you in the theater. We reopen April 28th. Please find out more about Mendocino Theater Company by going to our website, mendocinotheater.org, or send us an email at mtc at mcn.org. I'm Pamela Allen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.